Good morning. Welcome to South Bay Community Church. Um, especially if, if this is your first time, we welcome you guys. And just to, so you know, I, I don't typically preach from a chair like this, but we're going to do this a little bit differently this morning. I'm gonna, just going to sit and, and talk to you guys this morning. Um, and, and you'll learn why in, in just about, in a moment. Um, but like Pastor Gary said, we're finishing off this mini-series called Stressed. Anybody here this past week feel any stress or anxiety? Yeah, amen, a lot of you guys. Some of you guys wanted to raise your hand, but that makes you anxious, so I, I get it. Um, but but we, we, all, we all experience anxiety and stress, and um, I'll be the first to tell you that I, I myself had to uh, fight this this week. And I think sometimes one of the hardest things about being a pastor or a preacher is I've learned that a lot of times God will give us the experience first so that we have a place to preach from. Um, I always like to say God sometimes is the toughest teacher in that he'll give you the test first and then the lesson afterward and definitely had to learn a lesson this week. Uh, last Friday, I went surfing with a, a buddy of mine, Josh. He, he's on our security ministry and our tech team. Uh, we were surfing down at Huntington Beach and uh, great session. We were having a good time and then toward the end of the session, I I, I, I took a wave head first, I wiped out, which trust me guys, it never happens, I never wipe out, but, but this one time I wiped out, and, and I went in head first, I'm under the water, and my first thought every time I go in like that is cover my head, because my biggest fear is getting hit by the fins of the surfboard, I don't want it gashing my head or anything, so I cover my head, pray that it doesn't um, slice me up, and I feel it just go over me, and I'm like, oh, thank God, so as I'm coming back up from the surface, all of a sudden, Boom, the surfboard, the nose of the surfboard flung back at me somehow by the force of the wave, and the nose shot straight into my ear. And I come up, and suddenly I can't hear. Like, I can't hear out of this ear, and everything in Huntington Beach was spinning all around me. I have never seen Huntington Beach spin like this before. It's just like spinning, and I, I, I think to myself, I've been dizzy before. Just give it about a minute or two, and it'll, it'll stop. Well, a minute or two goes by, it's not stopping. Three minutes go by, four minutes go by, five minutes goes by, and I'm still spinning. And I'm like, this is bad, right? And I'm trying to call down my friend Josh, but he was too far away. And I'm just holding onto my board in the water, hoping that this would stop. And, and finally, by the, by the grace of God, I was able to get out of the water and, and get to shore, and I'm just so disoriented. And I thank God that Josh was there because he's able to drive me home from Huntington Beach to Torrance. And then from Torrance, my wife drove me to, to the hospital, to urgent care. And the, the doctor looks into my ear and he says, okay, well, definitely it's inflamed. Um, just give it about two or three days and hopefully your hearing will come back and you'll, you'll be fine. Well, three days go by and my hearing is still gone. Four days go by, still gone. Five days, it actually gets worse. And so this past Tuesday, I'm like, now I'm like at 95% loss. I totally can't hear. And so I take myself to urgent care again. And uh, make a long story short, from urgent care, I had to go back the next day. I went to an audiologist. After that, I had to set up an appointment with an ENT. And uh, sure enough, he says, yeah, your, your ear's ruptured. He's like, you ruptured your eardrum. He's like, and it's not a small rupture. You, you got it good. But then he said this. He says, but it looks like there's something else going on as well. There's something else causing your hearing loss, and I don't know what it is. It could be some trauma to your head. We're not sure. So we still don't know at this moment. Tomorrow I'm scheduled to go in for a CAT scan, um, a CT scan. And so, yeah, so this week has been really weird for me. 
in a lot of ways, and that's partially why Pastor Gary said, I think you should sit down. Uh, my e- equilibrium has been off at times, and, and it's just like uh, this weird sensation. Since this is new to me, I've never felt this before, but it's like, it's like I, I'm, I'm underwater. Like right now, I feel like I'm talking underwater, and I feel like I, or I have these like noise-canceling earmuffs, canceling earmuffs on, and um, I don't know if you've ever walked around feeling like you're in a dream. That's what it feels like right now. And so, so with all this going on and this entire week, in and out of the hospital and doctor visits, then thinking that I have to preach this weekend and then I have to prepare a message, sure enough, all these thoughts are flooding into my heart and, and, and my mind this week, thoughts of anxiety, you know, anxious thoughts. And I've had to really learn to attack these Anxiety attacks. I'll say to you firsthand that the word of God has truly been my anchor, an anchor of peace this week. I'm titling today's message, Attacking Anxiety When Anxiety Attacks. And I'd love to show you some of the the scriptures that the Lord allowed uh, me to come across this week. And so before we get into the scriptures, would would you guys bow and let's pray and let's let, let the Holy Spirit lead us there. Would you guys pray with me? God, we just want to bow our heads uh, before you in humility, and we, we pray that you would speak your truth into our lives. Lord, all of us, Lord, all of us will have stressful moments and anxious thoughts at different times in our lives. Some of us will have them more frequently and, and more severely than others, Lord. And God, we pray that you convince us all of the, the truth and the power of your word. Lord, that we would resist any kind of temptation that's going to tell us that this stuff is too simplistic. My, my situation, my anxiety is, is, is deeper than that. And, and I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that your word is not simplistic. That it might be simple because your word doesn't have to be confu- confusing and difficult. But, Lord, your word is profound in its truth and its power. So, God, open our eyes to see uh, the source of this. Help us to see you. We pray that we would see that these are the words of life. God, bring us into the scriptures. Let your Holy Spirit lead us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was remembering this past week about a, uh, a message I heard from a real popular preacher. And he gave this really great illustration. And he was talking about this, this torture technique during the Middle Ages, the, the medieval times. And it's, it was called it's called quartering. And what they would do is they would take the victim, the, the criminal, a lot of times that, that person who's guilty of treason, that's when you're trying to overthrow the king or the government, they would take them, and, and, and here's what it would look like. They would tie the limbs, the four limbs of this victim to different horses. And then they would prompt the horses to run off in different directions, literally torturing this person, pulling them apart. Sometimes they called this practice dismemberment. You know why. Now, I'm not saying this to, to kind of gross you out or anything, but this, this was a practice. But here's what this preacher said about this. He said, this, this is fascinating to me. He said that the French have a name for this. And they said, he said, they, they call it distraction. Dis, this, distraction. You're, you're distracting this guy. And, and I thought, wow, that's, that's a powerful illustration. 
that preaches. And I was a little disappointed because when I went to look into it, I couldn't find any credible source saying that this really was the name for this practice. This was a real practice, but I, I couldn't find any uh, reliable source saying that it was called distraction. So I was a little disappointed. But this week, as I got into God's word, I was, I was fascinated by God's word. I, this, this book never ceases to amaze me. Because I was studying for this message today, 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's also in your Baywatch or your app. But, but here's what 1 Peter 5 says in verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Would you, would you guys circle that word in verse 7? Casting your anxieties. Circle anxieties. That, that, that is the topic for today, anxieties. But here's what I wanted to show you. When I was looking at the original Greek language, because that's what this was written in, I wanted to see if there was any insight we can gain from this passage. And when I looked up the word anxieties, I'm going to put up the screenshot of my Greek resource just so that you know I'm not making this up. I'm not smart enough to make this up. But here's what the Greek word for anxieties is. It's the word merimnao. You don't need to really know that. What you need to know is what it means. The short definition I highlighted, it means to be anxious or distracted. You break that word down a little bit. We look at the help word studies. I highlighted it for you. You break it down. It means properly to be drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts, figuratively to go to pieces because you're being pulled apart in different directions, like the force exerted by anxiety. I thought, man, that, that's good. Right there, that, that's, that's the picture of anxiety. That's what anxiety does. When, when, when you look at the, the essence of it, it's when we're being pulled in different directions. Our heart and our mind is being pulled apart here and there. Will I get this job? Will I get that job promotion? Will I have this position? What will my kids' future look like? How will I live? How will I eat? What do they think of me? And, and all these concerns we have in life pull away our focus and attention and tells us this matters most, this matters most, this matters most. And that's the essence of anxiety. We have these concerns, and let's agree that these concerns aren't bad. It's not bad to be concerned about your career or your home or your kids or your health. It's not. But these concerns can oftentimes become anxieties, sources of stress. Let, let me make this, this observation for you guys. Let's, let's agree on this. I, I think our anxious thoughts, our anxieties are tied to the things that we are most devoted to. Amen? The things that we are stressed out about the most are tied to the things we're most focused on and devoted to. So though they're not bad, they become come bad and unhealthy when they become anxieties. Now, l let me prove that to you guys, that we stress out over things that are, we are most focused on. I, I don't know if it's appropriate for me to say this, but I'm going to say it. Might sound a little harsh as a pastor, but the truth is I, I, don't, I don't get anxious. I don't lose sleep over your job. I don't. I, I don't lose hair over that. And I don't, I don't stay awake at night and lay awake at night thinking about your kids. I just don't. Why? Because 
not that I don't care about your job or your kids. I, I do care. I, I hope it all goes well. I'd love to sit and talk with you about that, but, but I'm not focused on that, and that's not where my devotion is. Yours is, and that's why you're more likely to be stressed out or anxious about it. I'm, I'm devoted to, to my job, and that's why this will cause more anxiety for me. I think about my kids. That's why they'll stress me out and, and give me these anxious thoughts because I'm devoted to these things. And so there's these devotions, these concerns we have. Now, my, my question is, if it's not bad to be concerned about these things, then how do these things become unhealthy anxieties? H- how do we get from, from a good thing to a bad thing? Now, hold on to that thought. I think there's a couple tragedies, right, when it comes to thinking about the way the devil works, when it comes to understanding spiritual warfare. A couple tragedies. One is to underestimate the workings of the devil. That's a tragedy. On, on the other hand, I think it's a tragedy to overestimate the work of the devil. Right? Because sometimes we, we give him too much credit for the things going on around us. We, we give him too much power. Like somebody in here might say, man, you know, the devil's trying to rob my joy. I just feel so spiritually attacked right now. I just graduated from college. That's a big celebration in my life. And I, I, I got a brand new car for my graduation gift. And within one week, I get into an accident. Man, I feel under attack. The devil's robbing me of my joy. I'm so under attack right now. I, I would say, no, you're not under attack, bro. You're under the influence. You shouldn't have been drinking like you were at that party. That's your fault. Don't blame it on the devil. And so sometimes we just blame everything on the devil when we need to own up to some things. Some, some things are just our bad judgment, our own folly. So sometimes we overestimate what he's doing and neglect what, what we've done. But on the other hand, and here's what I want to focus on. The other trage- tragedy is that we might underestimate what the devil is doing. Do not underestimate the, the fact that the devil is a hungry lion looking for faithful and focused Christians. Because look what... Peter goes on to say in this, in this passage, next verse, verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And you can stop right there. And so in this teaching about anxieties and casting your anxieties upon God, he's saying, Be aware of the schemes of Satan. Be sober-minded. Do not underestimate this enemy who's like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. And I think sometimes the the tastiest, the the most appealing, the, the meatiest prey for him are those who are most fixed and focused on Jesus. That's who he wants to devour. And so sometimes I believe that the enemy will attack by distracting us. And if it could somehow get us to pull us away, pull our focus and our devotion away from where it should be, and it causes us to be so focused on these concerns and, and these things in our lives, then he can torture us with this thing called anxiety. He pulls us in this direction and that direction and this direction and that direction when our devotion should be in that direction. What's in that direction? The king, the king and his throne, 
If he could just get us to take our eyes off of that. One of the greatest ways he can, he can uh, cause us to agonize is to get us to undermine the authority of the one true king. Right, just like in the Middle Ages, we just talked about this. In the Middle Ages, the consequence was trying to overthrow the king and usurp his authority. The consequence was quartering. You would be pulled in different directions as a consequence of trying to overthrow your king. Well, in the present age, the same is true. The consequence, when we try to take the king off of his throne and undermine the authority of our one true king, what's the consequence? Well, we get caught up and we get pulled away in this thing called anxiety. Anxiety. And it can be torturous. These concerns that, that aren't supposed to be bad become these things that are killing us. So the next time, I want to I challenge you, the next time you, you lie awake in bed or you have these anxious thoughts, I want to challenge you to listen to the language going on in your head. Like pay attention to, to what you're saying to yourself because you're, you're going to notice, I'm willing to bet you're going to notice that this word is going to keep on coming up, this one word in particular. You're going to have these thoughts, you know, how, how am I going to pay this rent? How am I going to succeed in this job? Do I have what it takes Am I coming off right to other people? Am I accepted or am I being annoying? Do I, do I have, am I sufficient? Am I, and you're going to hear this word come up. It's the word I. I, I, I. Someone pointed out to me that the, the center letter of the word anxiety, at the very center is the letter I. And I realized that I am at the center of all my anxieties. When I, I make my whole universe about me and, and my situation, and not just that, I make myself the king who has to take control of these things. And that's where my anxiety comes from. This, this past week, as I'm, you know, dealing with this busted eardrum, I, I, I started listening to my thoughts, and it was so much like, how, how am I going to preach? Do I have what it takes to prepare a message in this condition? How am I going to sound? What's it going to be like when I'm in a room and I feel like I'm under the water? Then, then I thought, like a real, like this is no joke, a real anxiety that came upon me is like, am I going to be able to surf again? Like this weekend, this weekend as I speak, there's swell coming in. There's some good waves. And am I going to be able to get in the water? Doctor says you have to stay out so you don't get water in your ear and get it infected. And, and th this really brought me down. And, and these thoughts kept coming in. And I'm realizing that I am at the center of my anxieties. Why? Because here's the situation in my life, and I'm trying to take control. I'm trying to be my own king. I'm, stop, I'm not looking to him anymore, and I'm trying to figure out, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to get around this? How, how am I going to succeed in this situation? But I'm realizing that I make a lousy king, right? Because I'm not all powerful, and I can't control the universe around me. I can't control the circumstances around me. I can't control how other people are. I'm, I'm finite, and, and because I'm, I'm, I'm not omniscient and I can't see the future, the uncertainty of the future is also out of my control. And so what happens? I get anxious. I start to get anxious. I can't see the future. It's so uncertain, so we get anxious. Some of you guys are going to go through that, and I want to say, beware the schemes of Satan. Because if he wants to attack, if there's any way he can attack, he will distract us and get us to be so focused and devoted on us and ourselves and our situations and try to convince us that we have to be the king who takes control of it all. But what if, 
but what if, guys, we can counterattack these anxiety attacks? Like, what if we can shift our focus back? What if we can redirect our devotion back to where it belongs? Onto the throne, toward the king, the one and true king. What if we can be aware of what Satan's trying to do? That's why Peter says this. Let's go back to verse 6. This is what he was saying from the very beginning. He said at first, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. How are we going to do this? By casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And he's been saying this, humble yourself. Cast your anxieties upon him. And so here's the first weapon that, that scripture is giving us. If you have your notes, would you guys write this down? We can attack anxiety with humility. We can attack anxiety with humility. Peter's saying, humble yourselves. I, I is also the, the center letter of the word pride. Pride is at the center of anxiety. Anxiety comes when it's all about me, me, me. But the opposite, the antithesis of pride is humility. And he's saying, humble yourselves, how? Under, your, uh, under the mighty hand of God. Who? God, the one who sits on the throne. Under what? His mighty hand. The, the hand that's actually strong enough and powerful enough to actually lift and carry the burdens that you were never meant to carry. God is the king who can, so humble yourselves under him and his kingship. Shift your focus on him. And as Satan is trying to throw these anxieties upon you, take these anxieties and cast them upon him. Why? Because he's a king who can, and he's a king who cares. And so in humility, we come before him. Now, that, that's a good idea, humble ourselves, but how can we practically humble ourselves? Well, we'll flip with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, this is a different author, but under the influence of the same Holy Spirit, same breath. Paul in Philippians 4, he prescribes, a, he prescribes prayer as a very practical way to attack humility. Here, here's what it says in Philippians 4 verse 6, and you guys know this verse. It says, do not be anxious, there's that word, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. There's that word anxious, that word we, we talked about earlier, Mary Manao. Do not be anxious. Do not be pulled apart by anything. But in everything, by prayer, by prayer, let's pull it back together and let's direct it to one place in particular, the throne. By prayer. Well, there's all these words. Circle that word prayer. Circle the word supplication, and would you circle the word thanksgiving? Because there's a lot of words going on in here, and I want to kind of break it down for you to try to make it as simple as possible. But prayer is that humble act of coming before God. Okay, what's the difference between prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving? Well, prayer is that, that, that humble act. In general, it's communication with God, right? It, it's coming to him. We could come to him for different reasons in different seasons with different methods and different motives. Maybe you're coming to praise or to adore. Maybe you're coming to vent or to listen. Many different reasons why we would come to communicate with God. So prayer is communication in general. But Paul says, listen, when it comes to dealing with anxiety and your anxious thoughts, he says there's two ways in particular you ought to pray. The first is supplication. 
So would you guys write this down in your notes? Attack anxiety with supplication. Attack anxiety with supplication. Now to understand, what does supplication mean? Well, you do a little quick search on the internet. You type it into Google, and it'll give you dictionary definitions. So let me define it for you. Here's the first three that pull up in Google. Supplication is to ask for something in a humble way. That's from Cambridge Dictionary. To ask humbly and earnestly of. That's from Merriam-Webster. Then dictionary.com will tell you it just means to pray humbly, to make humble and earnest entreaty or petition. So basically what it means to offer supplication or to, to supplicate, it means just to make a request. You're just asking God for something. But here, here's what they seem to emphasize. You're doing it with humility and earnestness. Like you, you, believe, you believe something. You believe who you are not and you believe who he is. He's the king. That requires humility. And so we, we come and make supplication. Now, I realize I don't have to spend a whole lot of time to convince you guys that when you're anxious that you should pray. Right, because for a lot of us, that's just like a knee-jerk reaction. Like when we're desperate and we need help and I'm anxious, yeah, like I'll pray. I don't have to twist your arm about that. Even you guys are churchgoers. You guys are here at church. Even non-churchgoers, non-believers in Jesus Christ, they'll pray when they're desperate, right? When we're desperate, we'll do anything. It's like a lifeline to some people. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost anything. It can only help. And so, so people pray. So that's not my challenge to you today, just to pray. My challenge to you is when you have these anxious thoughts, don't just pray, supplicate. And supplicate like you mean it. That means you humbly come before the king of the universe, acknowledging who you are not and who he is. He's the king. And you believe that with full faith, and you come before him, not just in humility, but earnestly believing that he is a king who can, and he's a king who cares. That's why I'm coming to him with my anxieties. Because you guys realize it, it matters. The way you view and believe God when you pray matters. Anybody can throw up prayers, but it matters how you view the one you're throwing it to. I, I read this article this week. It, it's it was titled, When Prayer Makes anxiety worse. And I thought to myself, can prayer possibly make anxiety worse? Well, it's a good article. It goes on to say in that article, they did a study of 1,700 participants. They found that the way you view God when you pray matters. It matters. And they found those who had a strong sense of who God is, who had a secure understanding of who God is, those people tended to pray more frequently. And they prayed more boldly. And that helped their anxiety. Their anxiety levels went down. That makes sense, right? Makes sense. But then they found this, that those who didn't have a strong view of who God was, who just threw up prayers because they were anxious, tended to see God as some God who's distant, who, who may or may not be out there. Some people saw him as maybe a malevolent God who doesn't really necessarily care about my situation, but I have nowhere else to turn, so I'm throwing up prayers. They tended to have a bad experience with prayer. They prayed less frequently. And so what happened? They found their anxiety levels shot up. Why? Well, because I'm trying everything. I'm even trying prayer, and now prayer is not even working. And so they get more anxious and had more severe symptoms of anxiety. And so the bottom line of that article, and I think this is true, 
when you pray, it matters how you view God. And to supplicate means to come and humbly, truly acknowledge in your heart who he is. He's the king of kings. Let me try to illustrate this for you. How many of you guys have ever experienced sleep paralysis? Right? A lot of people in your sleep, it's this phenomenon where you're sleeping and suddenly you're, you're woken up and your mind is awake, you're, you're conscious, you, your eyes are open, you can hear, but then you realize you can't move. You feel paralyzed. Or you try to speak out loud or shout and you can't. You can't make any noise. And some people say they, they have a hard time breathing. It, you know, and, and some people will say, well, that it's, it's purely physiological or psychological. Your body's under too much stress, too much anxiety. That, that's why it's happening. And then some people will say, no, that's spiritual attack. You're being attacked by the enemy. Because a lot of people who have had this happen, and I know a lot of you guys have too. I've heard your testimonies. Some of you guys will say that you testify to some kind of presence, right, there in the room, sometimes on your chest, causing you to feel like you're being uh, asphyxiated. And so they'll say it's spiritual. And I want to say, I think it could be either or. Or it could be both and. I think it could be a combination of the two. And sometimes Satan will try to infiltrate our hearts and, and fill us with fear in situations like this. Well, when I was in junior high, I was told that if this ever happens to you, you just pray in the name of Jesus. How many people have been told that? Just pray in the name of Jesus and, and, and the enemy will flee. And so I, I, I remember that and I dreaded the day ever having to go there. I dreaded it. Well, that dreadful day came in high school. I, I was a sophomore at the time, and I remember I was laying in bed at night, and I'll spare you all the details, but just in, in, in a nutshell, I'm having this dream, and in my dream, I, I was like, oh no, I'm being attacked by the abominable snowman. It was like, for some reason, like to me, he was the abominable snowman, but he wasn't a snowman. Um, I, I saw this, this figure on top of me, and I, very distinct characteristics, I could list it for you right now. But anyways, he's on me and he's like choking me. And I'm, obviously I'm terrified. I'm like 16 at the time. I'm terrified and I wake up, I open my eyes and I still see him. And I try to shout and I, I can't make any noise. And I'm thinking, oh, it's happening. What they told me about is happening. And so I remember what they said, pray in the name of Jesus. So I start praying, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, get off of me. In the name of Jesus, leave. And guess what happens? Nothing. He's still on me. And like I'm still feeling like I'm being choked out. In the name of Jesus, get off of me. And I'm terrified. Nothing happens. And the next morning, I remember thinking, why didn't it work? I was told if I called out the name of Jesus, then it would flee. And it didn't. What happened? Then a couple years later, I came across a passage, a story in Acts chapter 19. And in Acts chapter 19, there's this story of this guy, Paul. We just read, read his letter. But Paul is this apostle, and he's going around, and it says he's doing miraculous things by the hand of God. Like he's going around, and he's healing the sick. He's making the lame walk. He's casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And he has such a ministry, a reputation that's growing. People are seeing what Paul is doing that they start envying Paul and they want to do what he does. They want to cast out demons too. In particular, there's this group of Jews called the sons of Sceva. Seven Jews and they want to have that kind of power so they start mimicking and imitating Paul. 
And here's what happened. Acts, Acts chapter 19, verse 13 says this. It says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish, Jewish, Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. That's crazy. What, what happened? Paul was praying in the name of Jesus. Demons fled. They pray in the name of Jesus. They get beat down and left naked and bleeding. Like what happened? And, and I realized what happened. One was praying with faith in the name of Jesus. The others are praying as if it were a magical phrase or a special magical incantation. One truly believed who he was calling upon. He truly believed Christ is king. And it was in his authority that, that, that he prayed. And the others just prayed this prayer that was empty of faith. And I realized, looking at my situation when I was there in, in, in my room as a 16-year-old kid, when I was told to pray in the name of Jesus, I was praying in fear. I was scared. I was terrified. In the name of Jesus, get off me. I was praying in fear, not in faith. Not believing that Christ is king and he is more powerful than the enemy. And so here's the point, guys. It matters. It matters what kind of faith you come in. What posture your heart, does it come in humility, truly recognizing who you aren't and who he is? Because that's going to be a powerful prayer of supplication. And so we, we, we attack anxiety with supplication. We supplicate like we mean it with humility and earnestness. But look at verse 6 again. I'm going to put it back up for you guys. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. So, so write this down as the third weapon we have. Attack anxiety with thanksgiving. Come humbly in prayer. Come with supplication, but with thanksgiving. Now, in, in my house, it's a very well-known fact in, in my household that I am weaker than my wife when it comes to standing up to our Princess Karis, our daughter. I, I am the one who succumbs to her, to her request. Uh, one thing that drives my wife nuts, and I've shared with, this with some of you guys, is that um, she, it drives her crazy that I'll give in and I'll sleep with, with Karis when she asks us to sleep with her when she should really just sleep in her own bed by herself. One night, uh, Monica took the Snapchat without me knowing it. That's me in, in, the, in the, the crib with Karis. And she writes in the caption, quote, I'm just a dad that wants to give my daughter what she wants. Hashtag whooped. Hashtag you have no backbone. Hashtag you are weak. That's uh, my lovely wife uh, calling me out. But that, that's just, that's the nature of our household. I just, she's my princess. How can I not, right? And, and so there's this season that my daughter's in right now where like every day she's asking for things, toys in particular, and she'll go, she knows who to go to. She goes to the king, right? She goes, goes to me. And so every day it's like, Dad, can you buy me a new Barbie doll? Dad, can you buy me a new princess doll? Or next day, Dad, can you buy me an LOL toy? And every day she's asking me 
knowing that eventually I'm going to cave in. And so she knows this. But here's what I noticed this week. I was thinking about it. That every time she comes to me with this request, you know what I never hear from her? I never hear the words, Dad, I just want to thank you for the last Barbie doll you got me. (laughs) Or, Dad, thank you for that stationary kit you bought me on our last date night. Or, Dad, I I just want to thank you for feeding me and putting food on my table. Dad, I just thank you for being my dad. Like, I've never heard that from her. And I'm sure it's not because I'm deaf. I, like in, in this, I, I just haven't heard it. Now, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. It's not that she, my daughter's not thankful. She says thank you. But there's times when she says thank you. And there's, then there's times when she makes requests. And there are always separate times. There's a time to be thankful and a time to ask. But here's what Paul is saying. When it comes to battling anxiety, and dealing with anxious thoughts. He says, come, pray with supplication, with thanksgiving. He's saying, in the same breath, supplicate with thanksgiving. Now, I I thought about this this week. Why? Why why is it so important that we give thanks when we're trying to deal with this anxiousness? Why? And I, I thought, okay, well, maybe, perhaps, Perhaps when we think about things to give thanks for, what it's doing is it's reminding us of the victories of the past. It's reminding us of the grace in the past, of the blessings. See, one thing the devil wants to do is he wants to veil all things from coming from the throne, including past blessings. And maybe when we remember what God has done in the past, it will give us hope and strength for the future. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know what makes you anxious or stressed. For me, like we said earlier, it's the stuff we're most devoted to and we're most focused on, right? So for me, it's like ministry. And there's so many times, more often than not, when it's like time to preach, it's my week to preach, and there's this, there's this like, like brain block, like there's writer's block. What do I even talk about this week? Where do I even start? Like, what am I supposed to say about this topic? I don't know anything about this topic. And there's this sense of, I just, I'm not the guy to do this. I don't have what it takes. And there's those times in the past where I felt so inadequate, so insufficient to preach, where I saw God's grace most sufficient for me. That in those moments in the past where I've been so weak that I've seen him most powerfully at work. And it's been crazy because... Some of the most powerful feedback that, that, that I get from you guys, or I, I know Pastor Gary would say the same, some of the most powerful feedback leave us in awe, jaws drop, dumbfounded. Why? Because some of the most powerful feedback come from those moments when we are most lost, like at the end of ourselves. And so there'll be times when I'll be preparing again, I'm in that place again, just feeling like I can't do this. And it's been incredibly powerful, incredibly helpful to remember time and time and time and time and time again when I've been in that place before and he's come through in the most powerful ways every time he comes through. And I just remember that and it gives me strength to move forward. And so I thought maybe that's why. Maybe when we give thanks, we remember the past so we have hope and strength for the future. Like, yeah, that, that, that works. But then I thought again, well, maybe something else is going on. Maybe when we're trying to think of reasons to give thanks, maybe what it's doing is it's crowding out all these anxious thoughts, right? Because we're finite people. 
our minds can only contain so much. We can't have infinite thoughts. And so maybe the more we think about reasons to praise and give thanks, we don't have enough space to, to worry and stress. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe that's going on. I was thinking this past week to years back in my previous young adult group, um, it was like a, a weird season. This one particular season, it seemed like everybody was getting injured and hurt. And I remember distinctly, it was a Friday night, and like all these people have casts on. Like everybody's crippled. And one guy, one of our friends, his name was Josiah, um, this smart guy, he, he thought it would be so cool to launch off a chair and, and slam dunk. And so obviously he can't dunk. He's, he was an Asian guy, so he, he doesn't know how to dunk. Um, so he, he would get this chair, and he, I guess he launched off the chair and dunked the ball, but he had so much momentum that his legs flew up, and his hand slipped, and he starts free-falling to the ground. And in order to break the fall, he puts his arms out to break the fall, and it ends up breaking both his wrists. <laughs> Knucklehead, right? And, and so he's got these, he comes to Bible study with these two casts on, and then this other sister in our group at the same time, her name was Christina, she broke her arm as well. And she had a cast. And I remember that, that night seeing them, and I, I remember thinking, man, how debilitating is that? Right, like to not be able to use your good arm. Or you, Josiah, not to be able to use any of your arms. Like what's that like? What's that like? And, and, and we were talking, and Christina said something that I'll never forget. She said, you know what I've been learning through all this? She says, I realize that even if I don't have use of my good arm, God's been showing me that he still has given me my heart. And that means I have everything I need to keep worshiping him. I said, oh, that's, that's good. That's good. And this past week, I've had to remember that as I've been suffering from this broken eardrum. And this past week, as I'm laying in bed awake, there's been hours I've been awake this, this week. And not because I'm necessarily anxious, but it's... I think it's the steroids they gave me are so powerful. They told me on the label, it says, this will keep you up. Um, this will cause you to lose some sleep. And it sure did. And as I'm laying there awake in my bed, I could have been filled with anxious thoughts, but I decided I'm going to see if the word is true. And I started to really think about reasons to be thankful. What thanks do I owe the king? And it's amazing when you stop to really think about it. There are so many things in the midst of this broken eardrum to be thankful for. You'll be amazed. I mean, this week has been amazing. Um, without being able to hear it, you know a blessing that's come out of this? There have been times this week when my wife goes, hey, Greg, can you change Ernea's diapers? And I'm like, what? Like, I can't, I can't even, <laughs> what? <laughs> what baby crying? I don't hear a baby crying. <laughs> it's been so good. No, uh, <laughs> no. but honestly, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm counting my blessings and I remember praying, God, thank you that even if I can't hear, that I still have a mouth that I can preach with and that you should use this mouth for your glory. Thank you, God, that even though I can't hear all the people praying for me this week, that there are people praying for me, that they're laying their hands on me. I, I can't tell you how many people laid their hands on me. One guy even offered to stick his finger in my ear. I'm like, no, that's good, I'm good, just, <laughs> just pray for me. And uh, thank you, and, and God, thank you that even though I can't hear every word they're praying, thank you that your ears never go deaf. 
It doesn't matter if I can hear them or not. You hear every thought and every word that comes from their mouth, and you're the king who can do something about it. I started getting anxious. Will I ever be able to surf again? And I thought, God, even if I can't hear, I thank you. I thank you that even if I, I can't surf in this season right now, that when this gets better and I can go back in the water, that the waves are still going to break for me to enjoy. Thank you for the ocean. Thank you for the waves. God, thank you that, that even if I never hear again, thank you that even if I never surf again, thank you that even if my heart never beats again, you've given me Jesus and because of Jesus, my heart will beat again. Thank you that I have eternal life. I have salvation. I have everything I need because you've given me Jesus. Thank you. And God, there are so many things to be thankful for right now. And I, I don't know why. Paul doesn't explain why he says supplication with thanksgiving. I don't know exactly what's happening, if it's crowding out the anxious thoughts or it's giving me hope for the future. He doesn't explain why, but he just prescribes prayer with thanksgiving against anxiety. And then he promises the result. Doesn't explain why, just promises this result. What's the result? Verse seven, look at the result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I, I don't know why it works, I've tried it this week. I'm telling you, church, it works to pray supplication with thanksgiving. I can't explain it. Maybe it's because it surpasses our understanding. It's inexplicable. Maybe we can't understand why this gives us so much power, but we do know this. The promise is that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind. The presence of peace is the absence of anxiety. The presence of anxiety is the absence of peace. The two can't reign at the same time in your hearts. Can't. Christ has come to give you peace. The devil is a hungry lion looking for someone to devour, and he wants to rob you of all peace, fill you with anxieties. But listen, attack anxiety by humbling yourself, turning to him in prayer, humbling yourself, praying with supplication, humbling yourself, praying with thanksgiving, and the promise is true. What's the promise? And the what of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? And the what of God? And the what of God? Peace. Seriously, I can't, I can't hear you. What you say? <laughs> and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the truth. Church, this, this week, Pastor Gary has been so gracious. And multiple times he said to me, Greg, if you're not in the right place and, and you're not able to speak this weekend, uh, just let me know. I'll, I'll preach for you. And... You know, in my mind, in my heart, I'm like, no, I, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. Why? Because I want to I see if the word is true. Like, I want this experience. And it's caused me to really go and test the word of God. And my testimony, guys, is it is true. It is powerful. This, this Friday, we were praying. Pastor Gary and I were praying. And he asked me, he says, how do you feel going into this weekend and having to preach? Do you feel anxious about it? And I said, honestly, I said, honestly, the, this week started off a little anxious for me, but his word is true. And I've had the peace of God reign through my heart and through my mind, and it's guarded me, and it's cast out anxiety. Amen? Amen. Hey, would you guys pray with me? Yeah, thank you. Praise God. Mm -hmm.
I want to ask you guys to bow your heads with me. And let's do that right now. Let's put it to work right now. Let's humbly come before the throne. And let's focus our, our attention, our devotion onto the king right now. Recognize who you aren't. You're not in control. Not all powerful. But humbly recognize that he is. Go ahead and resign being king. Surrender it to him. And now bring your, your concerns right now. Bring your stresses and your worries and your anxieties, whatever it is. Bring it before him. Lay it at his feet. Cast, cast them before his throne. finally spent spend the most time just giving thanks recalling and remembering the ways he has proven to be powerful proven to be victorious proven to be gracious the ways he's poured out blessing in your life and just just thank him right now so, God, we, we direct our devotion to your throne, God. You, you taught us in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. You told us about anxiety and said, do not be anxious about what you will eat, what, what you will drink, what you will wear, how you will live. So don't be anxious. Then, then Jesus, you taught us later on in that teaching. He said in Matthew 6.33, he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first your kingdom, the place where you reign as king, and that's what we want to do with our lives, not just in this moment, but every day when anxiety attacks, help us to attack anxiety with the weapons you've given us. You are a king forever, the only true king. You're at the center of it all. And so we thank you, we praise you, and honor you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.